views expressed on the following broadcasts do not necessarily reflect those of KHLT, Take 12 Radio, or our affiliates. The opinions on this show should not be considered as medical, psychological, or professional advice and are those of the host, co-host, and guest. Take 12 Radio and KHLT Recovery Broadcasting are not affiliated with any particular 12-step fellowship. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, exploring solutions for life today. A presentation of Take 12 Recovery Radio. And now, here are your co-hosts, Dave Fleming and the Monty Man. Monty, Dave Fleming. Here we are again. again. <laughs> That's right. Welcome to Entitled to Overcome, solutions for life. Today. Today. today, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but today. today. And uh, for this show, we have a special guest in the show, Dave. We do. We do. We do. So at the beginning of the show, you heard a disclaimer, right? That was spoken by my beautiful, wonderful wife, Marsha. Hi, Marsha. Hello. Oh. Marsha's in the studio today. And uh, for a very, very special reason, she's going to be uh, in the studio for the first half of the show as a family member of... Somebody who has recovered from alcoholism and addiction, and that is as my wife. She is what, in some circles, would mistakenly refer to as a normie. And I mistakenly say, I say that mistakenly referred to as because there's no such thing. But. Yeah. My motto is you have to be a little weird to be normal, so. <laughs> you got to be a little weird to marry us. If you're not. Right? That's you're true. Not That's true. So uh, before we go to our icebreaker, just let you know what the topic is, uh, particularly for friends and family members of uh, those who uh, live with addictive illness and, and uh, these kinds of disorders, the question is, what do you want to know about addiction and the addict's behavior they engage in? We asked Marsha to join us for the first half of the show. But before we do that, we have a little icebreaker, I think. It's time for Dave and Monty's Icebreaker. Ouch. Get the broom. Yeah, you didn't get cut there, did you, honey? No, I'm no, fine. You're fine? Okay. And the glass. It's not ice. I don't know why it's, we call it icebreaker. It's glass breaker. Shit, Dave and Monty's glass breaker. David Monty's be, pipe breaker. That would be a good trivia question. Why do we do that? Well, we no. don't know the answer to it. What? No, why we call it an icebreaker. Oh. Yeah. Hey, write it down. See? What does ice breaking sound like compared to glass breaking? Yeah, I've, I, I've, uh, I've, I've listened to some audios of that. It's not as exciting. <laughs> it's more like clunk kind of thing. We can combine <laughs> the two and call it glyce. Slice breaking. breaking. <laughs> All right. So uh, our icebreaker uh, continuing on with um, some bizarre warning labels. Last week we uh, shared some with you. This week we had some more. Uh, this is on an iron-on shirt decal. Uh -oh. It says, do not iron while wearing shirt. Duh. <laughs> really? There's probably some college kids. Wow. Somebody did. Right mm. again, and probably the iron-on agency got sued or some yep. such thing, so they got it. College kid doing it. This one, you'll like this one, Marsha. This is on a hair dryer. Do not use while sleeping. There are people, I one of those addictions where they do they sleep with their hair dryer on. Yeah, on strange on addictions? their bed next on that to TV them. show Strange yeah. Addictions. Strange Addictions. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, to keep warm, I guess. That's good, I don't right? know. I, I would say that there should be a warning label saying, do not use while in the bathtub. Right. <laughs> that would be more important. Right. Uh, this is on a package of fishing hooks. Uh -oh. Harmful if swallowed. Oh, gee. <laughs> Obviously. That's why you buy them. Right? You're trying to catch a fish. That's right. Uh, this is on an ink cartridge for a printer. It says, do not eat toner. I guess maybe strange addictions again. Maybe somebody out there is It'd eating toner. To you know, uh, this one's on a letter opener. A letter opener. It says safety goggles are recommended. 
Why? <laughs> so you don't poke your eye. Uh, I guess. Uh, this is on. Uh, this is. It's the- always good to to have that while you're running with scissors too. Make sure you wear oh, goggles. Yeah. Make sure you wear goggles while running with, with safety glasses. Scissors. Yeah. <laughs> and here's our last one. This is on a bar of soap. It says, "Use like regular soap." <clears throat> <laughs> what? Huh? I don't understand that. Use like regular soap. Why, why, what would you? I guess there's other. I guess you could carve a gun out of it, like they did. What was that guy Dillinger did that or something in prison? Uh, uh, I'm I'm confused. <laughs> so what's your regular what's, soap? Yeah, <laughs> there's got to be some context in there. So there's our icebreaker there. Whoop de do. Well, there is liquid soap. So that's true. That was fun. All right. Uh, so the question today is, what do you want to know uh, about addiction and the addict's behavior they engage in, uh, particularly asking friends and family members of? So we brought Martian in the studio today. Now, um, long time ago in the galaxy far away, uh, Marsha Meyer and I went on a blind date. I was the first. Blind guy? Blind guy, right? <laughs> I was I was the first outreach co- coordinator for Teen Challenge Pacific Northwest, and her mm-hmm. brother was uh, he was renting a house from Mike Hodges, who was the um, executive director and president of the Pacific Northwest at the time, and he said, "We need to get you a blind date." And Betty Hodges said to me, "We need to get you married off," and I'm like, "I'm not doing that." And I don't know what happened, but she talked me into going on this blind date. And I, I said, met. I'm not doing that. Yeah, she said, I'm not doing that. And Marsha and I met on this blind date. And uh, as, you know, fate would have it or whatever, uh, one thing led to another and we were engaged and blah, 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 blah. And during this, this before we were actually engaged, though, during this time when I was working for Teen Challenge, I relapsed. She did not know that I had addiction issues. She just thought I was a staff member at this recovery center, right? It's because you were still wearing your blindfold. (laughs) (laughs) And she was going, what? So that was kind of a surprise to you, right? Yeah, I I still, even after they called me in and um, to tell me what happened, I still didn't comprehend what that, what it was all about. Right. Because you didn't know anything about addiction no, or nothing. codependency or alcoholism no. and nothing. Yeah, addiction or alcoholism doesn't run in my family at all. Um, codependency, though, that's what yeah, that, that's, <laughs> yeah, now I can say that. But Right, right. And uh, so through a series of events, eventually we did get married. And <clears throat> there was uh, a number of years there where I, I struggled with uh, relapsing on and off. And mm-hmm. so I'm sure you had some questions. Like, why, right? Mm-hmm. Um, is there any one question that sticks out in your mind more than any other? Or? Well, I remember, um, I think you uh, had relapsed, but you were gone like, so your MO was like to be gone for three days. Mm-hmm. And then you'd come home. But this one time you were gone like, Actually, it was right after we were married. It was like, I don't even think it was a month after we were married. And you were gone uh, probably like three months. Well, maybe not that long. It probably seemed like three months. But it was a good month at least. Right. And I thought you left and went back to California. And it's like, you know, if he loves me, why is he doing this? Because I thought it was all about me. I, You know, I thought I was the reason why you were doing this. Really? Not realizing that you were addicted. You thought I was getting high because of something you were doing? Well, it's like you must not have loved me enough to choose me over your right addiction. You think that's... that's go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, and actually, I think I told you one time, um, it's like, to me, it was like that was the other woman. Like you had right. gone out and had an affair. That's how it felt. Yeah. And, and that was the other woman. That's a pretty common question, isn't it, Dave? Uh, that's a pretty common answer. Yeah. 
sometimes the question isn't asked. Right. But yeah, it's it's like, you know, the the, the the spouse, the girlfriend, kids think that it's something that they did or didn't do mm-hmm. well enough uh, is the reason why we're choosing uh, the chemicals. Yeah. Because, you know, if, it's like, and then if you, you, you kind of go to the other side of that, it's like, well, if you, you know, if you cared about me, if you loved me, you would stop. So mm-hmm. obviously you don't love me, you care about me because you don't stop. And why can't you stop? And why, yeah, right? Why can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, just stop it. Mm-hmm. Little yeah. Bob Newhart style of counseling. <laughs> right. Bob, just, <laughs> just stop right. it. Yeah. So you're sitting on a tack and it hurts. Get off the tack. Yeah. That's simple. Doctor, it hurts when I bend my arm like this. Well, then stop bending your <laughs> arm like that. Yeah. Right. Well, it, it's, yeah, it's, it is a terrible thing that, uh, that we put our families through. Right. You know, uh, my, my dad was an alcoholic. I didn't know it until many years later, but he left. Uh huh. And there was always that question, like, why, you know, why did you leave? You know, I was like five years old at the time. So it wasn't, I didn't really get into that. Well, it's my fault. I should have, you know, but it was like that always that question, like, like why, why, why? I think that's, you know, for me it was the biggest question. Feel abandonment, you know. Mm-hmm. So you you really didn't get any answers for a long time, right? Because yeah. the church kind of wanted to. Well, he just needs to love God more. Well, they actually gave me permission to go to another church and try to find someone else. That was before we were married. We were engaged at right. the time. And they, you know, one of the pastors came to me and said, I give you permission. I go, but I don't need your permission, one. And two, that's not what I want. I want, you know, I want my uh, future husband to, yeah. be, to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me running away and meeting someone else was not the answer to that. Right. In fact, you went to an Al-Anon meeting where it was all about, well, just lose the loser. Well, right? they sat around talking about, because you're not, you know, don't make any major changes in 90 days or uh, a year. Right. And I'm sitting there knowing I'm engaged to an addict or I'm just actually comprehending that. Yeah. And um, they're going around saying, I can't wait for the year to be up so I can divorce my husband. And wow. I'm sitting there going, well, I'm not telling you I'm just engaged because you guys will <laughs> probably run me out of the building. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that's crazy to, I just couldn't understand that. Right. So. Did you did you ever wonder if, if this thing had to do with, was this was this an illness or was I mean being involved in the church and a member of the of the church for all your life really your dad mm-hmm. was a pastor. Um, did you ever wonder what, what is it is it is this sin or is this a disease or, or what is this what category does this fall in did that ever cross your mind? Pro yeah, somewhat but I I don't know I I didn't look at it. Maybe because it was you and I was in love with you. So maybe right. I didn't look at it so much as a sin issue because that was kind of a denial. I was in denial anyway about all of it. Right. You know, so um, I never really thought hard about that. Um, yeah. I had, I think I had enough information to realize that it was more of a disease and something that at that point you're incapable of of changing than I did thinking it was you you just fallen into sin. Right. So you, you, you early on you got the information that there was mm-hmm. an element of powerlessness to this. Right. Um you have said before you've com- you, you've compared me because you, you, you now and have in the past have worked with other women and other right. wives mm-hmm. and uh working uh um uh, you know helping them apply and implement the 12 step process and go through codependency. You're a big advocate of, 
uh, Codependent No More, the book. Yes. And um, you have said the difference between you, Monty, you would talk, tell me, and Joe Smith over here is you really had a desire mm-hmm. to to change. Your heart was really there to make a change. And that was obvious. Well, that's the only you reason know. why I, I stayed. Whereas without Joe Smith over here, right. you're, you're going, that guy, he, he just doesn't. Right. Yeah. There isn't any repentance. There isn't mm-hmm. any nothing. It's just. um, Like you needed to find the tools that right. worked with where Joe over here. He does. He really doesn't want to change. He he enjoys what he's doing. He he doesn't care if it's hurting other people um, because he's so selfish and wants what he wants. Right. But um, but the main reason why I stayed in our relationship was because I could I knew and I could see by your actions that this isn't really what you wanted to do, where you wanted to be, mm-hmm. and and actually it proved true because slowly every relapse that happened it would it was shorter it was different you did get into a recovery program and started working on yourself and dealing with some of the issues that was causing you to relapse and yeah and that made all the difference well what were some of the things that would go through your head when i would disappear um well the first question you know answer is why is he doing this and choosing that over me? That's right. how it felt. Right. Um, what is it about it that keeps drawing him to that? Mm. What's uh, the pull? What's the yeah yeah? And then you know, is he sick? <laughs> what you know, um, or is it just an environmental thing? Like he's around the wrong people, and that's why he does this. Um. Did did you ever wonder is he dead? Oh, all the time. Yeah. Did you ever plan out the funeral? Um. Or think that that might be something that you would no, be planning out? No, I never did that. But I kind of uh, to deal with it that I would go into denial and then I would act like you didn't exist. <laughs> like you know, for me to go on, get up, go to work every day, come home come around the corner waiting to see if your car is there or not. Right. Um, I just had to like totally go into a different place for myself. Yeah. Well, I got a question. So you said that each time that money would relapse, you saw, basically you saw him get a little bit better each time. Mm-hmm. He'd come through that and he'd get a little better and then the relapses were further and further apart and less in duration, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I'm sure somebody out there has a question. It's like, well, how, geez, how long did that take, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's oftentimes a, one of the things that I hear often is, is like, oh, so you went to treatment now, so you're healed. Right. No. Right? So that's one and done and we're yeah. good to go or let's get on with right. our lives. Mm. And that's not usually the case. And, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I, I just want to go back and touch on that because I think that's sure. important for for a lot of people that are dealing with this maybe even have had family members that are that have been to treatment three or four times or more and like well what is the problem why you know when's it how long is this going to take and you know what's what's the average you know I don't know if there's any average amount of time right. but I mean well you want them to come out of treatment and that's the last time but that's right. not how it worked it was nine years. I knew Monty two years before we got married. And uh, we actually had a wedding date, and I canceled the wedding, postponed it. Um, but it was nine years, and it was nine years of, uh, like, it went back, back through Teen Challenge. Then uh, one point, I and his, uh, he had started getting recovery, and that sponsor tried to get him into a treatment program. Um yeah, I, I think there was only two times that you went to treatment. Right. After that, but... Well, um, I went to outpatient. I did outpatient. Yeah. And then I, I went to Milestones yeah, in Corvallis. Milestones. Mm-hmm. 
And my sponsor joked about he'd say, when you left there, you left, you left, uh, you burnt rubber. I was three days there and they wanted me to basically pray to these crystals, make a God box, put all my problems in the God box and then put a crystal on top of the box and ask the crystal to give me guidance. And I called Marsha up and I said, you have got to get me out of here. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because I didn't want treatment. But that was just wackadoodle to me, and there was, and and it was bizarre. It was it was a bizarre place at that well, time. I'm sure it was a number of years ago. It was <clears throat> quite a while back. Oh, and, and, yeah. and, and, and 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 let's face it, there are treatment centers that know what they're doing and they do it right. And then there are other places. It's just like anything mm-hmm. that that's a little sideways. And I just happened to Which, hit on one of the sideways I ones. I know milestones is. Uh, Made a lot of changes and come a long ways. Oh, they're not the same program at all. Yeah, I think so. a lot of treatment centers. You know, that's twenty eight years ago, right? And they're trying. I think they're trying. Everybody's always trying to figure out There's, their little niche. Yeah, you know mm-hmm. that they can do something different or better. You know, kind of expand on what's already working well. You know, nine years. Okay, that 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 probably sounds about right. Two years before we were married, and seven years in our marriage. Yeah. yeah. I uh I know uh for uh for me and my wife it was I don't know I probably I probably have been too let's see too inpatient and too outpatient programs uh before uh well before the last inpatient one it was it took me that long but it took me like 22 years just to figure out that I actually had a problem Mm -hmm. and that I needed more than just my own understanding. Uh, Mm -hmm. Cause I got to the, I I went to treatment. My wife said, Oh, so you're, you know, you're healed now, right? (laughs) You're good to go. And I said, "Mm, it doesn't work that way. And then the, uh, she said one day, she says, we we need to talk. And I was like, okay, I already know how this is going to (laughs) go. Right. And it was, you know, uh, She'd gone down to her last ditch effort of she ran out. Of, she didn't know what else to do, so she's like, "Well, you know, I think it'd be better if you you moved out." And it was one of those times where I was out of my, I wasn't thinking clearly, but I'd already had this plan in place, and I was already going to leave. <clears throat> and I said, "Okay." Oh wow! Well, come to find out later on down the road we had talked about it and she said that wasn't the answer she was expecting mm. she was expecting me to say you know i'm i'm sorry i will you know do everything different and then you she know. wouldn't have to follow through <laughs> right right i'm you know just please don't you know and uh it, it was kind of a, a mixed blessing it's what i needed to do because i needed to figure out that i was the problem um, versus if everyone else would just change, it would be just things would be good. Sure. And, you know, I'd be good to go. I'm not, I don't have a problem. Just do things my way and everything will be fine. And shortly, you know, I, I, I got out of treatment and then, uh, slowly fell back into that daily routine again. Right, gone up and up to I don't know a gallon of vodka or, or whatever, a day, <clears throat> and I finally realized that that was you know that was me that was mm-hmm. me was the issue, and we spent we ended up spending six years apart, um, but I think that's what we needed. Maybe took it a little longer than I, than but whatever. God had a plan for us to restore a marriage, and I had to work on myself. Uh, full time in order for that to happen. Yeah. And then eventually we uh, we moved back to a, a new house where it was totally separate from where everything else we had going on. God made a way for this to happen, restored our family, restored our relationship mm-hmm. with my children. And uh, our, our relationship now is better than it ever has been. Mm-hmm. You know, and that, that comes from... Uh, well, first and foremost, God, because that's the only way that I got to this point, is that right. God stepped into my life and pulled pulled the my obsession away from me long enough. Right. That I pulled my head on my rear end and, and said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give this thing a shot. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Well, and as as he was, his relapse were further apart or different. I was learning more about me and codependency, and right. I was getting stronger in that, and I wasn't in so much denial. Um, and actually, before we got married, uh, I took him down to the mission, and I said, you know. Ugh. <laughs> and, no, that was a And I literally had him. to, like, pull him out of the car to get him out of the car. <laughs> and um, I had to give him the engagement ring back and say and said we're friends in fact i i, mm. I introduced that the director of the mission i said this is this is my fiance and she stopped she goes no no i said this is my girlfriend no i'm his friend <laughs> and i was like oh my oh my gosh and i turned around and i left and she left wow what was yeah. that like well uh the only bed they had was in the basement with the rats they wouldn't let me go to aa or na because the only meetings that were at th- at that time within walking distance were at night and late at night and they had a curfew so i was literally backed in a corner sounds like you were kind of like where john was right yeah you're you're in a little cave with a bunch of rats and yeah. you're, you're <laughs> and, and talk I, with god and i see it today as that was the that was exactly where i was supposed to be i couldn't i couldn't move right or left up or down god had my attention it's like <laughs> can you hear me now right you know the deafening and, silence and I, and i'm telling you you realize the extent of your powerlessness when you when it when your powerlessness is right in your face and you can't do anything, and you've lost everything, and you you really believe you're not going to get anything back. You 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 either do something very drastic uh, in the negative, or something very drastic in the positive. So I bucked up, and I went and chopped some wood because they made you chop wood, and I ate green eggs and ham. And <laughs> well, and it was because I was so strong in my could I mean that I was. Um, Oh, what's the word? That I was so strong to be able to do that because I had to ask God, please take all my emotions away mm. for this man because I, I can't do it. I never would have done that. I never would have been able to just drop him off and leave. And I wouldn't say God took my emotions away from, you know, for him, but he, oh, the only thing I can think of the word is he. I was numb mm. enough. All my emotions weren't, you know, I wasn't sad. I wasn't happy. I wasn't. It was just like I had to do that. I knew I had to do that for this to work, for him to get help. You had to be able to let go. And, yeah, 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 let go. And there was no pull to, you know, before it's like, well, where's he at? What's he doing? Drive by. See if his see if his car there. Drive by if I see him. There was none of that. I I was able to totally um, back off from it, mm-hmm. and it wasn't because I was such a great person. Well, it what was, did you hear God say to your heart? Remember, you there's that that thing you tell all these other women you've worked with about getting in his way. What's that thing? Oh, yeah. Uh, at one point, God said, "If you don't step out of my way." You are responsible for his soul. And it was like, okay, God, I I don't want to do that because what I was doing is God was working in Monty's life and I would step in and say, oh, no, but let me take care of that. Make it, let me soften it. Let me make it easier on him. Let me um, take care of him. And God's saying, you're in the way and I can't do anything for him, I can't answer your prayers. None of that because you keep butting in. Mm. And it was so strong. It wasn't audible at all, but it was such a strong, overwhelming feeling. And that's when I knew, okay, I can't be a savior. Is basically like what God was telling me. So, so the question that many friends and family have, what am I doing wrong? That might be one of the things. Oh, You're yes. in the oh. way. That's huge, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Especially a codependent, which I think anyone that is living with an addict, we, if you're not an addict, you're definitely, you know, not helping the situation. Codependent, enabling. You're enabling, right. yeah. All that. Right. It, I mean, you just watch, you know, uh, every other ep- episode of Dr. Phil and there's a <laughs> family that's dysfunctional and codependent. This lady was like screaming at her daughter right. for all this stuff that she had done wrong. I don't know if you guys saw the episode. Dr. Phil's just like oh, going, oh, my God, I need, you know, I need a break. Yeah. Right. Right. It's right. like <laughs> you're the problem. Right. Right. Exactly. You're just. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're enabling her and then you're yelling at her for for basically doing what you're enabling her to do. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, you need to just stop. Like, right. Kick her out of the house. Yeah. You need to like, stop. Well, then she's gonna, you know, well then that's what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that you have to get down to that drastic deal where, you know, but as a codependent, if I do that and I stop, then are they leaving me? Right. Or is it my fault? Because, if something bad happens? Yeah. Because uh, if I stop giving him money or if I stop, you know, doing whatever, making it cushy for them, then why would they stay? Because they'll go somewhere else. And so it's that fear of loss, losing them. Right. Well, that that was her big argument, too, is like, Mm -hmm. he's like, so you use $200 a day worth of heroin. Well, where do you get your where money do you from? Get it? Yep. <laughs> yeah, his question. I to, give it to her. I give it to her. His question it's to like, them all the time is, well, why wouldn't he continue to do yeah. this? Right. You're, you're, the ones you're where making they it say, possible. I took him to meet their dealer. Right. It's like, what are you doing? Because I couldn't bear to see that. He goes, oh, so it's about how you feel. Yeah. yeah right. right? And that's what about, you, you mm-hmm. experience that yourself. Mm-hmm. And when, when you work with other, other women, isn't that a lot of the times when, when they get to a place, especially like at the fourth step, and they see that they are the ones, really, the issue is with them. They get pretty teed off, right? They don't, or, or they just stop talking. Oh, to that, you. yeah, that's that's happened several times. Yeah. yeah, I then I lose all communication communication with them. Um, there's, you know, they there's one lady that you know went to our church and she avoids me like the plague because <laughs> still to this she day. was she was at a point where and her husband was at a point. When it came down to what she was going to do, was she going to turn around and be codependent again? Or was she going to, you know, lay down some ground rules and, you know, and um, and to this day. And unfortunately, her husband has relapsed and relapsed and relapsed. And I I think a big key to that was her not willing to continue to work on herself. Right. And because now she, she went back to enabling and doing all those things. And they're still not whole yeah 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 well i I hear stories about families kind of going the other direction too on that it's like you know if if a person is like ready to to actually be serious about making those changes and Mm -hmm. try to reconnect with the family oftentimes the family is very verbally abusive like because they've they've given them so many chances Mm -hmm. and they've they've let them down and it's like you know what's you know why should i believe you this time Mm -hmm. sure you know it's like Yep, that's the same thing you said last time. Yeah. You know, and so we yeah. have to also be careful about that, especially if it's someone we care about. It's like, yeah, we don't want to enable them. We don't want to, you know, coddle them or be codependent. But also, you know, we got to be aware that maybe that's that last, that last time is the time that that's going to work for them. Well, know? they definitely have to be boundaries. For sure. You know, I'm, you know, you definitely have to set up boundaries for yourself as a codependent, well, you know. Sure. And but there's people we know people that that are so far the other way though, if their husband says, "Honey, can you pass me the salt?" They'll go, "I'm not passing you the salt. Right. Get your own salt." <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna be codependent at the dinner table. I mean, there are people like that. Yeah, they're just so dogmatic about anything that it's bizarre. Well, don't we usually you know? go from one extreme sure to we the do. other? Yeah, sure we do. Well, listen, we're going to take a, a, a break. Marsha, I want to thank you for coming in for the mm-hmm. first half of the show. Thanks, sure. Marsha. Yeah. Um, that's been really great. So, folks, don't go away. Listen to this. Hey, 
Hey, check this out. I know none of us likes to think about life insurance, but as folks who care about our loved ones and what they will be going through in the unfortunate event that we beat them to that front row seat in heaven, wouldn't it be great to know that our final expenses would not be a burden to those that we love? Well, whether you already have coverage and are not sure if you need more, or perhaps you are brand new to life insurance and would like to see what is available for you. Well, the Madison Agency of Albany, Oregon, has a solution that will fit any budget, and they'll guarantee your coverage. Here's the number I want you to call, 541-706-0189. Again, 541-706-0189 or visit them online at themadisonagency.com. Life insurance, yeah, is it uncomfortable? Sure. But through the Madison Agency, it becomes the right thing to do. You're listening to the Sounds of Recovery here at Take12Radio.com, Recovery Talk and Positive Music. Welcome back to Entitled to Overcome, Solutions for Life Today with Dave Fleming and uh, uh, moi. Moi. Why isn't my pause button working? My mouse mouse is dying. My poor mouse. Uh, What'd you say? (laughs) So a special thank you to uh, my wife, Marsha Meyer, for coming in first half of the show and... uh, sharing some of her experience about uh, being, you know, a loved one and the girlfriend of, then a fiancé, and then not a fiancé, and not a girlfriend, just a friend. And then eventually we did get married, and uh, we're living happily ever currently. (laughs) Happily ever currently. Um, But but, but it it takes work, and... Uh, one of the uh, I was thinking about this. One of the questions that I've been asked when working with people um, by loved ones ha- has been, "How long is my wife? How long is my husband or my best friend going to have to go to those meetings? How long is he going to have to be in treatment? How long is he going to have to do this? Right. When can that stop so we can have a life?" My my wife said uh, she asked me one time. She says. Why do you gotta keep going to meetings? Right. I said I don't. I don't have to go. Ooh, nice. I get to go. I get to go. Oh, well, it's like if I don't, then it will not be good because I will get hungry, angry, lonely, tired, be miserable, yeah, and grumpy, and et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and I'm not a meeting dependent person. I, I don't, I don't think people should become meeting dependent. Having said that though, there's things, all the, all the tools of recovery that I now have in my wheelhouse, I learned about, or at least I started to learn about by going to a meeting and then I went to another one and went to another one. And then it got a little toxic. So I moved over to this one. And I, then I kind of matched them up. And then I continued and I grew. And, and, and I still go. Why? Now I go to be a maximum of service to God and the people he puts in my life. And, and to listen to where I can be of, of help, yeah. of service. But I learned that. Mm-hmm. I learned how to speak in front of people without freaking out in a meeting. Right. Yeah. You know, I, I, I couldn't do that before. Uh, you know, I learned how to become tolerant of people that didn't agree with me or didn't have the same faith as I did, that kind of thing. Uh, I I learned an awful lot about myself because I, w- I learned that what I saw in you, the things that bothered me many times were things I didn't want to admit in myself, but it helped me see those things. I met a sponsor there that took me through the process of the step process. I mean, there's so much to it. Why would I want to not go? Right. Well, and you learn, you know, you hear enough people say that uh, talk about missing meetings, like they don't go to meetings for a week or two weeks or a month. They talk about how they can feel the difference. It has an impact on their life. Right. And that could be, it also, you can tie in service work too. It's about doing something that feeds your spirit in a positive way. Right. 
Because it, when my wife asked me that question, um, let's see, I was probably, what was October of 2008? So that would have been four years. I would have been, been so, four years in, in recovery. And so <clears throat> I think, oh, well, you, you know, should be good to go. I spent the first almost two years going to meetings every single day, uh, doing service work. Yeah. Um, was part of that uh, daily routine. And part of that time I was I spent separated from my wife. And so I spent most of my time when I wasn't working uh, being, mac- being maximum service of, to others. When, <clears throat> as time moved on, and I had work and other uh, responsibilities come into play, I had to scale back to, you know, a few meetings a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got back together with my wife, I, I had to scale back even more or make some adjustments. Um, always keeping in mind how uh, my recovery and what I do impacts my family. Right. So if <clears throat> um, so, one of the meetings that I picked. Uh, ended up being on Saturday mornings, but it was at eight o'clock in the morning. So I go to a meeting at eight o'clock in the morning. My wife's still in bed, right? So it doesn't impact our our day together, right? I go to the meeting for for an hour and I'm done, and we can go have breakfast and then go about our day. And that was kind of our routine that we got into. Um, but it's if you know that helps me stay sober, and that's another reason why. I like to, you know, stay involved is because it keeps me grounded. It reminds me where I've come from. It actually it gives me an opportunity mm-hmm. to share where I'm at now so that I can be of service to others and say, yes, there is long-term recovery um, that you can achieve. It isn't just this one and done or this short, short-term thing, you know. NA is, is, uh, is famous for... Uh, having people that aren't in in long term recovery, so whoever you know, if you're involved in NA, I, I t- totally you know suggest or recommend that you also be a part of that fellowship. Um, even if the meeting, sometimes the meetings run a little longer than an AA meeting, but it's important for those people in NA to see that there is long term recovery. Yeah, and going to open meetings and having family members come to open meetings. And see people that are in long-term recovery also um, shows that gives them hope too. It's like, you know, my loved one can get sober, be successful, and stay sober. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 And, and, and you know, tr- truth be known, uh, one of the reasons that sometimes support fellowships start to dwindle is because the people with time, the 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 old timers that are not pseudo old timers, true old timers, ones that have had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, who are carrying the message, they've become they're not bleeding deacons anymore, they're elder statesmen. Something happens and they get discouraged and they leave. Don't do that. Right. Don't do that. I get I get if something gets real toxic and you have you have to change environments. I understand that, but. But don't leave the fellowship because of that, because then you become part of the problem right. instead of part of the solution. And so, uh, you know, so to answer the question, how long does my loved one have to, to do this stuff? Well, how long does your loved one get to do this stuff, like you were right. saying? And you can go. And that's well, the other part. It's kind of like asking, like, how, how long do I have, you know, how, how long do I have to work on my marriage? When is it going to be just be? When is it just going to be? Right, right, right. It's like it's gonna you're gonna have to work on it forever. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's the same thing with our recovery. It's a lifelong journey. Sure, it's like learning about life. It's a lifelong journey. Things are gonna get easier. You're gonna have bumps in the road, and through our experience and and over time, mm-hmm. we learn how to navigate through these things so we don't end up relapsing, and we can help other people to and, not relapse. And you don't know what's around the corner. You can't see around the corner. You don't. Right. I mean, there's things I have not experienced. I have never lost a child. What would happen if, heaven forbid, that would happen? I I don't know. 
I would hope that I would have enough support in place to where it wasn't awkward to walk back in the door because I'd been gone so long. You know, I would hope that it would be more automatic. Uh, one of the things that a lot of loved ones, that when they had these questions, saying, well, why, why aren't I enough? You know, why aren't they coming to me for support? Uh, I've had wives ask me that. You know, yeah. why is he going to this sponsor? He knows I'm here for him. What's the answer to that one? That is a very good question. You know, it's almost like, you know, the what's the answer? Yeah. 47. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll throw a little levity in there. Um, I think this is important. Like with it, with with relationships, right? We can't put our all of our eggs in one basket. Mm. We have to um we have to have things that we enjoy doing with our wives. We have to have things that we're enjoying doing with our kids. Uh, and we have to have things that we enjoy doing for ourselves. And we actually have to make time uh, to do those things separately and individually. Yes. Right? Amen. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that ties into our recovery as well as in with our families is we're so busy about ourselves that now we got to be about mending the family. And so, uh, when they ask that question, is like, why aren't I enough? It's it's because, uh, well, because you're not. We are social <laughs> beings, right? God right. has made us social beings, right? So we are supposed to be there for our loved ones and for others. Like our mandate is to go out and help others, right? Yep. And so, uh, if we just stick into one little room with just one little person. Um, how's that going to work out? We're we're not doing God's work, right? 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 So that just means I'm being disobedient. Good point. If I'm a believer, I'm being disobedient. If I'm not, if I'm not following what I'm mandated to do, and if I'm in recovery, I'm mandated to do the same thing in a twelve step program, right? That's right. Be a maximum service to others, right? We can't give. We can't keep it. What we we don't give away. Yeah. And so <clears throat> when I work with with people. Uh, they're trying to rebuild their their relationships. That, that's probably the one of the first things right after communication that I talk with them is they need to spend time uh, with with their spouse and then with each child individually, mm-hmm. separate time, mm-hmm. and then they need time for themselves, and then they need time for the everybody together. And you got you know it sounds like a lot, but you know if you just do a little bit uh, and have a plan you can get it done because that's, that's what we need to do to make, well, I shouldn't say to make everyone happy, but to have a cohesive and healthy relationship. Right. And a recovery program is to, you know, have that balance. I guess balance is the word I'm looking for. And and do you, do you think that this is why it, it is so helpful to get, to get guidance, maybe some counseling, to to work with people that are outside of the family system, you know they 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 don't have a bone to pick. They're not a side taker. Yeah, too close. Family's too right, close. Right to to understand this stuff because many times, not just not just addicts and alcoholics, but the family members themselves will isolate. Now, I as as an alcoholic, I isolated. I, I you know I was Mister Social Animal for years, right. and I said to myself, I made a promise to myself, Dave, years ago in my active. Uh, 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 addiction. I said, if I ever start drinking alone, that's when I'll quit. <laughs> and years went by, and what happened was, uh, people stopped wanting to drink with me because of my behavior. I found myself sitting on the steps of my cabin in one of the most beautiful places on earth, Yosemite Valley National Park. All the tourists were walking by, all my friends were walking by. I'm sitting there with my six-pack, and no one wanted to be my friend anymore. And I was drinking alone day after day after day. Did I stop? Nope. Of course not. Because I was an alcoholic. I could no more stop than turn myself into a rock because I didn't understand about powerlessness, higher power, any of that stuff. Well, so that's, I where, could drink. that's a, where that d- the disease 
concept comes from because right. your chemi- your bo- your body uh, chemistry has changed. You betcha. So you can't. It's like you can't survive without food and water, and that's kind of what your body's turned into with the drugs and alcohol, right? You can't survive without it. That's right. Which goes to one of the questions that people ask uh, that want to know about this thing. Why can't they just say no? Well, their their brain chemistry, their the, the, their metabolism, things have changed. And so I found myself isolating. You don't want to be my friend? Fine. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> right? And so I would start drinking and using by myself. And so now you get into recovery and you're so used to being by yourself and you're somehow or another, you end up in a relationship and you still want to be by yourself or the codependent or the family member, they start doing the same thing and they isolate. And so it becomes very valuable to be involved in meetings, very valuable to get outside help, uh, counseling, et cetera. And and especially if it's, you know, the, the, why aren't I enough question? It's like, (laughs) <laughs> Look at all the damage that we've caused in our relationship, mm-hmm. right? There's questions and miss, you know. There's no, there's trust issues, financial. There's resentments, and maybe yeah. not all of that's been settled. And you're, are you going to have a like a serious conversation with somebody that you know has kind of got has has a dog in the fight, right. so to speak, right? And you're going to get like <laughs> good information that's not biased. Yeah, or that's not going to have some slant to it, right? Where you got somebody that's outside of the whole picture that has no dog in the fight that doesn't could care less is going to be honest with you. I mean, that's what we need. That's why I say we all need to have that other person or that group or that whatever uh, to help 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 us be <laughs> accountable. Because man, and, you know, you talk about that isolation thing. That's why we go back to the first show, right? Right, you can find that on Podomatic and uh, your YouTube yep. channel. You go to take twelve recoveryradiopodomaticcom dot com, and you will find all the entitled to overcome shows. And the first one was all you have to do. All you have to change is everything. Change right? everything, yeah. Because we have to look at what problems have, what has caused us problems in our life, mm-hmm. right? And you talk about isolation; that's probably a big one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Especially at the end there, so. The, the opposite of that is I have to go get involved. Right. Because it's easy right. to stay isolated. I'm fine by myself. I, I've been, I'm cool kicking back at home with my wife and my dog mm-hmm. and my cats. Mm-hmm. Can't forget about the cats. My wife will give me a hard time about that. Do people do that in recovery too, though? They'll get clean and sober, but then the, the, they'll, they'll go to the meeting. Yeah. They'll maybe sit at on the chair by the door. They're the first, or last one to get there and the first one to leave. And then they go home, and they they isolate it. They, they maybe they're not drinking, maybe they're dry, maybe they're clean, but it's them and the little woman, and that's it. And well, you, you want to go with them somewhere, you want to do something with them, mm-hmm. and they don't want to do anything. Well, I think part part of what you're talking about is what I see in newcomers. Yeah, right. Because that's where I was in the beginning. Because it's like this whole, you know, this 12-step stuff. I don't know. You know, I'm, eh, I, I see some benefit, but eh, I'm not too sure. Right. You know, the God thing, you know, ah, I see a little benefit. I'm not too sure yet. I'm still, you know, kind of seeking maybe. And so <clears throat> what I always tell people, right, because the only thing you have to change is everything, right? If I, right. If I don't go, I don't have to be uncomfortable. Well, the idea is that in order for you to change, you have to get past that uncomfortability. Yeah. So being being the last one in the door, sitting in the back row, being the first one out the door is okay. Just get to a meeting, right? If gotcha. that's where you are at that time, yeah. Then that's where you need to be. Cool. But the idea is to grow and and progress. And so <clears throat> what I did cuz I did that, right? Yeah. Cuz I'm I'm comfortable with being by myself. I don't I could care less. But I needed to get out outside of that in order for me to change and grow and become healthy. Right. And so it started at the back of the room and then it slowly I would move up. You know, I'd sit in the middle. I'd I'd do a reading, right? They hand out the little cards with the readings that they do. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then I would sit in the front and then I would chair the meeting. You know, I'd make coffee. 
uh, I'd be, you know, the trusted servant where I'd make coffee. So I got the key to the building. It's like, ha, 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 you guys are crazy. You gave me a key to the building. Yeah, yeah. that's always fun. Yeah. <clears throat> but, I mean, that's – so I go in there and I make coffee and I, you know, and then I set up and I tear down. And that's what I need to do to get myself out of the uncomfortability about being in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, some of that had to do with, you know – being okay, you know, uh, the uh, putting up those walls, you know, and it, not letting people in because I don't want them to see how I really am because they probably won't like me if they do. Sure. You know, you slowly start breaking down those walls. And then, it, you know, after that, it went it went to because the uh, fellowship afterwards, right, at the coffee shop right. or the bowling alley or whatever. Yeah. That, that took a couple of years, actually, for me to actually get involved with that stuff. Yeah, <clears throat> but it was one of those progressions that I had to do to continue on working my program. Mm-hmm. Um, I go to Al-Anon, right? right? I got people in my life I got to deal with too, right? Right, especially as a certified alcohol and drug counselor. You always, better go to Al-Anon. It's not always about me. <laughs> well, yeah, that was before. I mean, I'll tell you something, brother. If you want, if you want to learn about your own character defects, start working with another drunk or another drug addict. They'll be blaring, right? <laughs> I know they are with me. It's like, what? Right. You know, my attitude can get real stinky. Real quick. <laughs> Dave, we're out of time. Oh, you believe that? I, I just want to put this out there. Uh, there's some, there's a lot of great resources out there. Uh, one of the ones that, you know, usually will pop up on a search engine pretty close to the top is the uh, samsa.gov they have a Nash. if you go on their website it's samsa samsa how do you say that samsa yeah samsa s a m h s a .gov uh go on there and they they've got tons of resources um frequently asked questions they've got a you know the uh most of the pages have a national helpline you can call and ask for help ask for resources um the Frequently asked questions on, uh, I pulled up here, uh, at the back, uh, or at the end has suggested resources, which I think is a great list of resources. Um, it it has booklets, right? What is substance abuse treatment? Alcohol and drug addiction happens in the best families. It's not your fault. It feels so bad. It doesn't have to, uh, after an attempt, a guide for taking care of your family member after treatment in the emergency department. Uh, mm. We didn't talk about that. That's you know, it's kind of a, what happens when somebody ODs people gets or? out of treatment and they relapse right away. Yeah, and, and uh, what that looks like. There's lots of there's great videos on there that talk about addiction and the family and um, what that process looks like from start to finish, from you know before treatment, through treatment, and after codependency. There's tons of resources on there. And it's at samsa.gov. Yep. 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 And there's there's lots of other uh, resources. NIDA's got uh, uh, lots of resources. N I D A. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, there's there's plenty of things out there. Um, That's yeah. the great news. Is 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 there is a lot of information, a lot of great great resources. You don't have to do this alone. <clears throat> there's help. There's hope. Right, and if there's there's one other resources that that isn't talked about a lot, but uh, you do a little bit of a searching on the internet, and you can find online meetings. True, because right? there's people that are listening. I'm sure listening to our show that maybe are handicapped and they can't get out to go to a meeting. Yep. Or there's family members that can't get out to Al-Anon. There are meetings online that you can that you can uh, be a part of. Um. So don't let anything stop you from getting help or getting support. Um, it's it, There's lots of help out there. Um, you just got to ask for it. Yeah. And if you need help with any of those resources, you can always uh, always contact us. And, and You betcha. Let us know, and we will do our best job to help you out. At Take12Radio.com, if you scroll down to towards the bottom of the page, there is a banner that says Recovery Resources. You click on that. We have been uh, very diligent in 
approving the resources that we are going to put on our webpage. Uh, we very strongly believe in holistic programs. Those are programs that deal with the whole person and the body, mind, soul, spirit, that kind of thing. Um, there's, there's requirements for them to be on our, our uh, website uh, that they have to meet. I've even got a link on there that says choosing rehab, my personal opinion about choosing rehab. You can click on that. Uh, but the, the thing is, there's just tons of information out there for you. And you can always, like Dave was saying, you can email us at take12radio at comcast.net. That's the number 12. And ask any question that you might have uh, relating to this topic or any topic that has to do uh, with addictive illness or uh, codependency or solutions for life today. Right, Dave? Yes, sir. I have one more thing I'd like to kind of put out there to our audience. Um, <clears throat> we are in the in the process of putting a little project together and kind of like to get some feedback on it. We're, anybody that's living in the, uh, the Oregon area, Lynn Benton County especially. Yeah. Uh, we're going to make uh, available some uh, outpatient treatment uh, for those that need some help, maybe don't have insurance, can't get into a program. It's going to be a ca- you know, cash-only uh, sessions. We're also going uh, to provide case management, help with, I don't know, anything you can think of. Uh, f- looking for work, writing resumes, uh, cover letters, um, interview skills, you know, try, right. trying to find a job, do some uh, some mock interviews, and um, it, pretty much anything that you uh, need help with, we can do that. Because just getting clean and sober doesn't mean you don't need to learn some basic life skills and solutions for life today. Exactly. Right? Yeah, good deal. So be thinking about that. If you have any suggestions or ideas, please email us. Once again, take12radio at comcast.net. Our closing song is by Freebo. It is called To the Light. I've heard it said The earth looks peaceful when it's seen from outer space Such a pretty place for you and me How do we hear the wisdom of the crickets in the night Singing outside from way down here Way down here Where there's only right or wrong Why can't we just try to get along I've heard it said There's a hundred million galaxies of light Lighting up the night for you and me We could be Just as peaceful as the earth from outer space Living in a place of harmony Harmony Oh, such a lovely sound Why do we put one another down? Just consider that there is no wrong or right And consider that there is no black or white There are always shades of gray To help us find our way to the light To the light I've heard it said Every culture has a history in stone Dances of their own they like to do Wouldn't you like to be accepted just the way you are? Is that really hard to see? Couldn't we find a way to understand? Blow away that line in the sand Just consider that there is no wrong or right And consider that there is no black or white There are always shades of gray To help us find our way to the light 
good friend and recovery recording artist Freebo. Visit his website at freebomusic.com for more great positive music that we love to feature here at Take 12 Recovery Radio. Until next time, this is the Monty Man along with Dave Fleming wishing God's perfect serenity for you and reminding you that because of God's wonderful grace, you are entitled to overcome. This has been a broadcast of KHLT Recovery Broadcasting.